For July, we enter a, a period of, of sermons from the lectionary on the Old Testament readings, which have to do with David. Uh, most of us learned a little bit about David in Sunday school and in Vacation Bible School. And when does Vacation Bible School start? July 30th. July 30th, okay. Um, you know, we, we remember the story of uh, David killing Goliath, uh, the, the giant Goliath, the Philistine giant, um, that, you know, that David uh, said he would fight. Uh, Goliath showed up in all his size and all his might and all his armor, and David showed up without any armor and uh, had a, a slingshot, and he just took five small stones with him, and he killed Goliath. You know, we learned that story. Uh, we might have learned the story uh, of, of Bathsheba, David's seduction of Bathsheba. We might have learned that, um, and the prophet Nathan calling him on the carpet. Beyond that, uh, we probably didn't learn anything because it was X-rated, and uh, we couldn't have tolerated it in, in uh, Bible school as, as third and fourth graders. The story of David, you know, there. I, I think we probably know more about David than we do any any other Old Testament figure. And the names that you know that circle around David, we're somewhat familiar with them: Jonathan, Saul, Bathsheba, um, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband that David had killed, um, uh, the prophet Nathan, David's. One of David's wives, Michael, who berated him uh, for showing such enthusiasm for God uh, by dancing during church. You know, you can't do that. Um, David's family, uh, Absalom, Tamar, Amnon. Uh, David's story is, uh, is something that would keep cable news running 25 hours a day. Uh, you know, what's going on with that family, with the ruling family? Um, it would be on every magazine, in every checkout line, in every supermarket in America. There'd just be fresh stories every week about what David's family is up to. After uh, Morning Blend, uh, I, I'd said in, in the sermon at Morning Blend, you know, this is the stuff that I would think more movies should be made of and there should be more books and novels written about it. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, there is a novel that came out last year on this. And uh, she gave me the title. I went upstairs and Googled it and looked at it on the library website. And it says, it says, a story of a dysfunctional family, of a bloodthirsty ruler, of lust, adultery, uh, murder, violence, betrayal. Uh, whoa! I mean, let's read the Bible now. This is great stuff. Yeah, read First and Second Samuel. Um, <coughs> David's story is a story of a lot of relationships and how he relates to different people. Uh, The, um, the, the, the song that Chris read so well uh, this morning 
is, is of David's relationship to Saul and to Jonathan. Saul was the king, the first king of Israel. Jonathan was his son. They were killed in the battle of Gilboa by the Philistines. David, this opens the door with the death of the king and his son. This opens the door for David to become king. And this song that he sings upon the death of Saul and Jonathan is, is kind of a masterpiece of truth-telling political spin. David's relationship with Saul was very troubled. It was, uh, there was a lot of turmoil in it. Uh, Saul was quite jealous of David. He knew that uh, David would ascend to the throne uh, upon his death. Saul, uh, on several occasions, tried to have David killed, and he himself tried to kill David. David was on the run for a fair share of, his, of, of that time. He was considered an outlaw. When Saul is killed, David goes into a public speech, and he talks about how wonderful Saul was and how great Saul was for the nation and how he helped them economically, apparently. But he never, never, you read it closely, he never says he's grieving over Saul. He personally does not grieve Saul's death. It's a very different story with Jonathan. Jonathan was his great friend. And the, how it's described here has provoked a lot of speculation about what was really the relationship between Jonathan and David, where, John, where David says, I loved him more than my own soul. I loved him with a love surpassing that of women. The person afterwards, after the morning blend, I said, did they talk about the relationship of Jonathan and David in this book? And she said, oh yeah, oh yeah, they spent a lot of time on it. I'll tell you the book afterward. Um, and she said, yep, the belief in the book is that David was, was bi, bisexual. Um, so there. Um, this is not a cause and effect, but the next sentence in this sermon is, one of the things that we know about David is that he was imperfect. It's just out there. The, the family dysfunction, the, the, the multiple marriages, the concubines, the, the hits that were put out on people, the betrayals and, and the lying. It's, we know he's imperfect. Uh, and what interests me is Christians suffer from perfectionism, don't we? We think we have to be perfect. And here's the great David, one of the heroes of Israel, with all of his imperfection out there for us. And we're attracted to David, I think, because of his imperfection. It's his brokenness. We're attracted to his brokenness. We, we might admire people who are perfect, 
but we know that they're perfect and we're not. And, and we don't connect to people who live up here. We connect to broken people. This is a reason why you can't relate to me because I'm up here. It's hard to relate to the perfect parent with the perfect children, isn't it? Because we know we're not perfect parents with perfect children. And when somebody says, ah, oh, man, I am having such trouble with my kids, we go, ah, I can relate to you. We're on the same level. When somebody says, I am having such trouble at work, we go, I can relate to you. I have trouble at work. Yeah. Somebody says, I lost my job. And somebody else says, so did I. There's a connection. And it's in that brokenness of our humanity that just happens to us that we connect to other people. And that what makes David so human. One person in Sermon Starters this week said, David's the type of guy you could sit down and have a beer with because you'd have a lot to talk about. Uh, yep, that's right. Another thing we know about David is his interior life. What's going on in his heart? You know, he wrote a lot of the Psalms. And so we we get this window to his soul that we just don't get with many other public figures. We know from the Psalms what motivated him, what he felt like when he failed, what he felt like when he was betrayed, what he felt like when he let himself down. A couple years ago, the book came out. Um, it was Mother Teresa's journal about the doubts she had in her faith and the doubts she had in her relationship with God. And, and it, you know, it gave us a window to her soul. And it was another touch point where we think, ah, I've had those doubts. I've had those questions. Um, one of the things that I think made Ling Lamb so approachable to us is that he gave us a window to his soul. And, and we knew about his loneliness. And we, we knew about his self-doubt. And we knew how he, he suffered from prejudice and, and bullying. David gives us this window to his soul. You know, Psalm 51 is, is a classic. Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. You know, he wrote this after the affair with, with Bathsheba and after he had had Bathsheba's husband killed as part of the cover-up. And Nathan had called him on the carpet. Create in me a clean heart. Let me have a fresh start. And he acknowledges his guilt, and it, it really is he acknowledges his shame. You know, because he talks about, I was born born. I was born sinful. 
I've been a mistake from the very beginning. I mean, this is real despair. We have that window to his soul. And then the 23rd Psalm, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, thou art with me. Psalm 130 is another wonderful psalm. Some translations have it begin. Out of the depths I call to you, O Lord. We would say, I'm in deep water. I'm in deep doo-doo. I can't help myself. My arms are too short. My muscles are too weak. I cannot help myself. I'm in over my head. That's what his heart is saying. How often has our heart said that? We hear that our partner has cancer. Lord, I'm in deep water. Our partner says, I want a divorce. Lord, I'm in deep water. Help me. We find out that our children are addicted. I'm in deep water. I call on the Lord, and I wait on the Lord. More than one who waits for the morning, I wait on the Lord. I hope in the Lord. Hope is the belief that God has not quit. Hope is the belief that God has not quit, and that's David. David has God at the center of his life. He has God around him. His understanding of his relationship with God, I think, is that he is raw material that God will work with and God will not quit on. David's worth came from the fact that God loved him. It wasn't that God loved him because of his worth but he had worth because God loved him. Sunday night when Ling Lam talked uh, about spirituality and, and religion in LGBTQ plus persons, um, the title of the speech was Pain, Shame, and Resilience. And he covered the pain of his life and he covered the pain that we all experience in life. And then he talked about the shame that we can experience. The shame where we, we turn that pain inward on ourselves and say, I am a mistake. I am bad. And then he talked about Resilience. How do we respond to the pain and the shame of our life? We don't stop at shame. And he defined resilience as safe connection, that we look for that safe connection in our life. And for him, the safe connection was his faith, his faith in Christ, his faith in God. And that's true for David, too. David had this safe 
connection in the midst of all of this dysfunction, all of this being in deep water, he maintained this safe connection with God at the core of his being. That was his hope. One of the names for Jesus in the New Testament is Son of David. Heal me, Son of David. Save me, Son of David. Hear me, Son of David. Have mercy on me, Son of David. It's used a lot by those who are suffering, by those who are broken. Now, I used to think Son of David was because David was powerful. David was a celebrity. I think now Jesus was called Son of David because of the brokenness. Jesus didn't relate to people as a perfect person. He related to them as a broken person. And broken people could relate to Jesus. They were on the same level. That's what it says in Philippians. He did not count equality with God to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant. He was broken on the same level. And those people who cried out to David in their brokenness, cried out to Jesus, were looking for that safe connection. They were looking for that connection to God that Jesus offered. Today is communion, and the son of David is the host at communion. And we come forward in our brokenness, in our being in deep water. And we come with our pain and with our shame, seeking that safe connection from the son of David who says this is my body broken for you communion is about what we bring to the table and what Christ gives us the pain the shame and the resilience of safe connection This is our gift that we give, and it's the gift we receive in communion. May it be so. Amen.